This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, and welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm super passionate about moving and thinking. On this show, we are going to dive into all things health, fitness, personal development, lifestyle, and political sociocultural. I've always been fascinated by people, and I love learning from the experiences and stories of others. This has been a treat for me, and I hope this is enjoyable and useful for you. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or any way that I can make this a better experience for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Hello, welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm here today with Jules, aka Julia Vitality. She works with digital PR. How are you doing today, Julia? Doing awesome. Thanks for having me on the show, Courtney. Thank you so much for being here. So for my audience, can you give us a little bit of a backstory of how did you get involved in the digital PR space and get to doing what you're doing now? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, it all started from a podcast or YouTube show. And I had a lot of guests who were coaches in the holistic space. Mm -hmm. And it uh, seemed to have been something that they were missing. They needed more exposure. They needed to tell more people about their story and how they can help them. Mm -hmm. So after a little bit of time and working closely with them and, you know, getting my own skills up to speed, we then started working on promoting their business or basically getting the knowledge about what they do Mm -hmm. out to more people because what coaches do is sometimes you know mystified or stigmatized Mm. and and putting it in simple terms they exist to help people become better people bottom line yeah no that's that's so succinctly and so well put absolutely um so Tell me a little bit, we were talking a little before we pressed record, and I loved where this conversation was going, so perhaps we'll continue on that path. What? Uh, tell me a little bit about what the podcast or YouTube channel that you started to immerse yourself in this world was, and also tell me what, uh, what have you found in working with people in this kind of holistic or uh, metaphysical type realm and what are the challenges that might be unique to them in the digital PR space that you know look Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than hey <sighs> well that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Aren't necessarily uh, on the radar for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, as most of us come from a corporate environment in some way, shape, or form, so did a lot of coaches. They ended up being on the road that entails a lot of entrepreneurial and business skills, which they did not have. So they have a talent, they have a gift. A lot of them are actually like literally gifted either energetically or maybe they're able to sense things, they're energetic healers and so on. So they are very strong in their modality, let's say, 
but they may not know really how to get the word out there uh, to more people. So this is sort of where I come in and I help them to get onto more shows and more podcasts, more publications, more guest blogging. So my show on YouTube is called Positive Impact, which is basically what it is, mm. is to multiply the impact that mm. all these beautiful people are making in the world. And some of them are authors as well, or you know, mm. just some sort of consultants. Not all of them are strictly coaches, mm. but all of them have really the same goal is to help people better their lives and businesses. Mm-hmm. And then I also started a digital magazine to kind of pair up with that. It's called Self Mastery. So I'm attracting beautiful contributors that have such great knowledge and so much depth in the topic of mindset and how to really master yourself, because it all starts with ourselves. We cannot help other people if we don't know how to help ourselves in the first so place. True. That is so true. Um, I, I'll just share a little bit uh, with you uh, on that topic. So I, I think my audience knows, but I, I was born with, you know, a set of uh, physical challenges. I, I'm blind one eye. I wear bilateral hearing aids. Learned how to speak by reading lips. I had heart surgery when I was a year old. Hypotonic limbs, fine graphic motor impairment, sentient growth dental complications. They told my mom best she could hope was to find a nice institution for me to spend my life. But I share all this to say that, so when I do my speeches, I talk a lot about this topic of self-mastery and using movement because it's just a tangible teacher. And I think it's a great teacher to overcome adversity in all areas of life. But I think this idea of self-mastery is one that was you know, it played the ancients. Like when you study ancient philosophy and uh, even, you know, uh, ancient mythology and uh, just some of the older type of literature and uh, theater, you this is a theme that comes up constantly. And I think it's something in our current society that has really been neglected. There, a lot of focus is very much outward and there's not a whole lot of focus on, there's focus superficially inward. I think, you know, narcissism has certainly uh, exploded <laughs> Um, but not mastery. And that uh, that's kind that's a very different thing. That's a it that's a self-focus in a very different way. So I all this to say that is something I'm very passionate about. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on what is self-mastery to you and how does that help people to have a positive impact and to spread their message and to essentially make this world a better place. Yeah, totally. Let me just comment on what you mentioned earlier, how how in this day and age, society is really outward centric and also the bed wrap that the words that start with self entail, right? Like self-worth, self-love, self-esteem. Mm-hmm. To a lot of people, it is something that highlights ego, but in reality, mm-hmm. those words actually mean almost the opposite. Like for example, self-esteem is the ability to accept yourself with the flaws like you need to know what your flaws are to then fully accept yourself including the flaws it's not about being perfect in the same way self-mastery it's not about self-perfection right it's about self-empowerment i guess would be similar right self-empowerment where you understand yourself to the point of you have the Mm self-awareness right you have you have the ability to kind of like hear your own thoughts. You have the ability to interpret those thoughts, but not overanalyze. You need to be able to be quiet, to hear what those thoughts and feelings are, let them flow through you and allow the thoughts in the combination with the higher power, the universe, whatever you call it, to give you meaning and to help you to get more into the state of flow. So self-mastery is not necessarily something that some people may apply it to, for example, sports or, you know, bodily Mm -hmm. training, Mm -hmm. which is one aspect of it. Absolutely. Like you mentioned, movement is very, very important. And I by no means ever neglect it. In fact, some of the coaches that I've worked with, they're so much into the mental state that Mm -hmm. they neglect their physical health. And by, you know, organizing some networking events where different types of coaches could have a collaborative relationship, they actually ended up helping each other sort of bring up those weak points to Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit more exposure and help each other out where one is, let's say maybe more of like a Zumba instructor and maybe they neglect a bit of a mental space. Mm -hmm. And the other one is the opposite or the other one maybe is very strong in business, but they neglect, maybe they get it to the point of burnout. So Mm -hmm. a lot of those areas, like I think part of self-mastery is being really balanced. 
Totally, totally. And I I would just clarify, when I uh, talk about movement, I talk about it more in the philosophical sense, because I think that people are very aware of the physical benefits of movement. I don't need to wax poetic about that. You know, we have lots of scientific data to indicate, you know, how beneficial it is physically. And I'm not undermining any of that at all. We know that, you know, we know what it does for your emotional well-being, for our mental well-being. But I think the part that people don't often acknowledge is what it does for your uh not just your mental state you know your cognition but your your mindset your uh yourself and your ability to empower yourself your uh your outlook on life how do you deal with challenges how do you deal with things that come easy to you it's Mm -hmm. a teacher and i think that's the part of it that a lot of people don't utilize and that's that's really what i'm passionate about mostly just because it's concrete so a lot of times we're handed these lessons in life but they're hard to track. They're not easily quantifiable. Whereas with movement, it's very quantifiable. You either picked up the weight or you didn't. You know, you you did that skill or you didn't. You know, it's not, oh, it's somewhere in the middle. It's a gray area. You know, you, you can see it. And you can see what were the steps you took to get there. You know, was this something that came pretty naturally to you and you kind of neglected it because that was easy? Or you did a lot of it because, you know, you, you felt good about that, that you could do it. You know, or what were the things that came that were really difficult for you to do and how did you tackle that? And what mm-hmm. and if you were able to master that, what were the steps you took? What was the mindset that got you there? So it's more of that type of stuff that I really try to, to uh you know, encourage people to explore when I talk about movement, because as I said, the other aspects, not that they're not incredibly valuable, but I think people, you know, they're more obvious people get that. So, yeah, I totally get it. There's actually a quote right on the wall in my gym that says the mind gives up first, Mm -hmm. you know, and it made me really think first time I got there, I'm like, wow, this is a gym for me because like, you know, it connects (laughs) the mind to the body because even if it's not necessarily a movement that anybody can see like breath work, for example, you know, or like contracting muscles that are internal. Not a lot of people can see that, but it's still movement and it still yeah. requires a lot of mental control. Yeah. So it, it is definitely the two things you cannot separate. And some people maybe are doing a lot of movement, you know, unconsciously or because they're just repeating an exercise, somebody showed them or whatnot, but they don't realize that their mind is doing a lot of work, even if they're not thinking about it, even just the way humans are created, our brain is moving our muscles. It's sending, um, you know, impulses or, or nervous pulses to, to the, uh, you know, legs or arms, whatever you're moving. So everything is so connected. Our brain is really in charge, whether it's of our mental abilities or physical abilities. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. So you had mentioned something about, uh, you know, the, you, you phrased it as the law of attraction, uh, when you're working with your clients and, uh, in that space, whether it be, you know, them bringing, you know, clients or getting their message out or attracting people professionally, personally. Uh, So I think that that phrase, much like the self-love, which sometimes could be tough love and people don't often acknowledge that. They think it means have a spa day and indulge, you know, and, you know, spend a lot of time shopping or something, uh, which is not necessarily self-love, right? So, but I think the same goes for this law of attraction. It has been uh, I think colloquialized, I'm not sure if that's actually a word, but I think you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, they, colloquially, it, it has been, uh, you know, utilized as kind of this uh, very abstract, just uh, fluffy kind of a uh, phrase that, yeah, but yeah. there is actual kind of physics behind really, uh, behind what it really means. And it's not a passive thing either, right? Like there's, so I'd love to hear what, what it means to you and how do you work with people on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, there, there are a couple different interpretations. I'm sure more than a couple, but for example, from the business standpoint, like Bob Proctor, he says law of vibration comes before law of attraction. So it's just mm-hmm. understanding that we're all vibrational beings mm-hmm. that we are what 99.9.9% energy and only, you know, point, 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 0.1% matter, which really is, if you look in the micro under the microscope is really again, energy. So we are vibrational beings. So mm-hmm. If you and I vibrate on different frequencies, then we're probably going to repel each other. It's like in the way it's like a magnet, but in reverse, right? Mm. So understanding that is comes first. So anything in life, 
is associated with a certain vibration. And now in the days of metaphysics and you know epigenetics and all those bio whatever metrics, they can actually measure these things. Like, mm. like for example, chakras used to be, you know, a mystery of the Indian culture. Well, now they can actually measure them. They can actually measure the output of our electrical field. Um, and they can measure our brain output based on the thoughts and feelings that we experience. So for some people, law of attraction may seem like, oh, maybe it's just a theory. Maybe mm -hmm. it's just, you know, like a concept somebody created, but it's actually very, very measurable. If you've ever heard of Joe Dispenza, he's mm -hmm. a scientist That's who great. brings it down to the level of like physics and math. Like he has charts to yeah. show you to prove that law of attraction and law of vibration and it's whole like being ele electromagnetic vibrational beings is the reality so whether you like it or not this is the fact right yeah. so we got to start with that okay, so <laughs> yeah it's not woo woo <laughs> <laughs> right yeah yeah no it, it definitely is i think that uh but i think a lot of people think of it in as a much uh more passive you know, and I, I blame, uh, you know, things like The Secret, you know, which were very pop culture oriented. And a lot of it was a little bit of an oversimplification. Uh, you know, I don't think that the premise itself was necessarily wrong, but I think they watered it down so much that people kind of think it means like I, there was another book. I must have it somewhere. It was just something like a manifest your destiny from your couch. I, I might be butchering the title, but it was something to that effect, you know, and I'm not saying that the power of visualization or manifestation or, uh, you know, that just the uh, electromagnetic kind of frequency, I'm not undermining the value of that. But I don't think it's so passive and so simplistic as like, I'm just going to sit on my couch and, you know, dream of what I want. And it comes to me, you know, I, I don't think it's quite like that. So, yeah, could you talk a little bit about uh, your thoughts on that? And then how mm -hmm. do you work with people? Because I think people will come in either. Uh, this is my experience and it, I don't, it might not be yours. So you, you tell me what you've experienced, but I think they kind of fall into two categories. It's the people who completely reject it. Like, oh, that's just woo woo nonsense. And, you know, they, they want nothing to do with it and they just shut down. And then the other people who go kind of the other direction where it's like, oh, I just sit here and, you know, yeah, I just have a happy thought and, you know, everything magically falls into place. I think I agree with you. I think majority of the people kind of fall into the two. <laughs> yeah. um, let me just comment on the, on the movie, The Secret. Yeah. And um, the interesting part is I think the movie itself was actually like a marketing trailer, I'd say, for, mm. for the works that were actually for the research that was done. Okay. Right. So there's actually an audiobook okay. of uh, what went into the movie. And it oh. is, I think... Mm at least three hours long, if not oh, wow. longer, okay. right? So it was actually the recording of the movie took, I think, weeks, okay? So that's how much material went in, but they could only get, you know, some people only spoke for less than two minutes or sometimes mm -hmm. 30 seconds. So it was, it's really the tip of the iceberg, okay? And right. sometimes that's where people stop. And as yeah. you said, that's where they end up believing that all you need to do is sit on the couch. Mm -hmm. But actually, if you follow each one of those gurus, or at least a few, and I have, mm -hmm. and they have so much work that they've put in, including a lot of scientific research into each of those topics, and then they were only in the movie for 20 seconds, mm -hmm. then you really learn to understand a lot more about the topic. So yeah, it was like basically meant to pique your interest, right? And then it's up to you whether you want to run with it and research it more, just like, you know, anything in life. So for example, one of them, Joe Demartini, who was in the movie, he he is a huge proponent of action and is definitely in opposition to the, you know, manifest from your couch theory <laughs> where your inspired action is definitely what's going to propel you. And the way to find what inspired action for you is, is to first assess your values in life. So it's very personalized. Mm -hmm. And once you understand your top one to three values and you align what you do every day, whether for business or for work with those values, it's like you're getting out of bed, you're doing this and you don't even feel like you're working. Mm -hmm. So yes, it's not hard action. It's not, you know, swimming against the current. It's being in the flow. It's being motivated where you don't need anybody motivating you externally. And you're living in the manifesting, creating your life 
in accordance with your values, you feel like you're flying the whole time. And that's what it feels like for me now, because you know, you both, you and I were in a space where we love doing it Mm -hmm. and it doesn't feel like work. And that's really the ideal. So it's not about sitting and doing nothing. It's about doing something that's important to you, that fulfills you and something where you don't need that external motivation. And you become a different kind of human being where you are a lot more centered and you have, you have, well, obviously there's a path to self-mastery, but when you achieve a certain level of self-awareness and and that ease, then you start attracting people that are on that vibration. So that's where a lot of vibration comes into place, where you magnetize to yourself, you know, associates, friends, uh, maybe even lovers or clients that are on the same wavelength as you, as you are, but you first need to get to that level. You cannot expect people that are, you know, um, ahead of you in, in the spiritual world come to you. If you're, if you're not working on making yourself a better person, you got to start with you. Right. Yeah. That's so, so true. So true. What are some of the biggest challenges you find, uh, your clients have? Like why, why does somebody come to you initially? Yeah, well, again, because they're good at what they do, but they're mm-hmm. not necessarily good at business. They are, for example, okay talking to people one-on-one mm-hmm. and they like having one-on-one sessions with clients, but PR really covers uh, a lot of basis of marketing. Mm-hmm. So if you're familiar with a customer journey or typical client journey, you know, it's first awareness that people mm-hmm. need to be aware that something exists before they would even consider working right. with someone. Right? So consideration is a second phase. Then usually comes, you know, some kind of a relationship and then there would be a stage to purchase. Okay. And then, you know, retention and so on. So the first three phases are really, really fast struck with uh, PR appearances, whether it's a podcast or an interview or a blog post where people get to know what you're like, when people really understand what is it that you do, how you can help them, what are you like as a person? Because I think, especially if it's a video, people really get a feel for, you know, whether there's that connection or not. Because look, for me, a connection is very important. I would, even if the person knows everything and I'm not connected with them, like with their style, maybe even with their voice, mm-hmm it may not be the best fit. So understanding what the person is like as a human being right. is very, very important. And PR really allows that opportunity first, like it's right there. Mm-hmm. So for example, opposed to a digital marketing, like maybe running ads, right? You may lead with a service, but mm-hmm. then people will want to uh, understand who you are like, because people mm-hmm. don't buy from companies. They buy from other people and they buy from people who they know, like, and trust. So again, PR is a great opportunity for you to build that no like and trust factor, right? Right. So see how many of these steps you're you're covered right there, right? Just by choosing the right channel, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, it's not just about being on shows because you can talk all you want, like we're talking right now. Mm -hmm. It's allowing people to find a way to get get in contact with you, letting them know what you do, letting them know how you help people, Mm. letting them know where to find you. You know, yeah, if you have a domain, that's your first name and last name, and you start spelling it on the podcast, people are going to fall asleep. (laughs) Okay. Right? So it's just having everything lined up in order for you to invite people to work with you. And then once you invite them, do you have things in place on the back end that once you invite them and then go find you, find your website, they have a way to find out more information, maybe get a, you know, a free lead magnet or learn a little bit more about what you teach. Just get a bit of a taste of what you do. Mm. All of these things need to be in place before you even start booking your podcasts, right? Right. So that's what I teach people to do. So it's not just about, okay, I'm going to go on the show and I'm going to talk about how I heal people with my hands. Well, unfortunately, that's not enough. You need to know a little bit about business and a little bit about how to market yourself, present yourself in the way that you are going to allow people who like you Mm. to find you. And then that's just going to continue filling your pipeline because it's an evergreen asset. It's a digital asset that keeps generating leads. As you know, podcasts get views over time. Different people hear podcasts and view articles and shows over time. So you start filling in that pipeline. And then after a certain amount of time, you can even stop being on podcasts and your pipeline is going to get filled and filled and filled and filled. So it's like an investment of time once and you reap the results for years to come. Right. Wow. 
Did you work in PR? Have you worked in PR for a long time or is it a newer? I worked in sort of a lot of areas surrounding PR. So a lot of different components of it. I have a lot of experience with, I've been interviewing people for years. I've Mm -hmm. been doing a lot of, uh, you know, digital media Mm -hmm. and things like that, but doing it specifically for coaches came when I started working with coaches and just loving it and being in my element. And that's who I want to help. Right. For example, I can choose to help, you know, mom and pop shops and retail businesses, but that's not my cup of tea. I really want to help people of impact to make more impact, to multiply their impact. And because I can see how they help people and they've helped me just by having an interview with me. So how much more so can they help somebody by having a few sessions or having them in their group program, how much they can change people's lives. And collectively we're raising our our collective consciousness and, you know, we're making people healthier and, and uh, even one person, when they improve their life, they improve the life of everybody around them, their family, their kids, those people in turn improve the lives of others. And it's a snowball effect. And that's really what motivates me is to, you know, impacting one person, you impact the world. Yeah, absolutely. I, the reason I had asked it is I'm curious about uh, the digital space. I feel like, you know, it's, it's our entire world these days, but it it is rapidly changing. It has changed so much from its inception. And I, I'm curious about what are some of the the strengths, weaknesses, the the challenges, some of the changes you think are coming that people should be aware of. Yeah. Yeah. So so I've been in like different kinds of businesses mm-hmm. for years and years and years. So yes, I can definitely affirm that 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 the terrain is changing business terrain in general and marketing Mm -hmm. terrain as well like it was super easy to just you know promote your post on Facebook and it would just appear in front of more people now algorithms are changing all the time digital marketing lead generation is becoming extremely complex you can expect to put thousands and thousands into it and not really see any results because the digital marketers that's working with it may not be aware that they're changing algorithms. And like just in the last few weeks, people are saying things are changing. And I've, I've, I've seen myself that things have changed a lot just between Facebook and Instagram and, you know, just, totally. just the main marketing platforms, right. And, and Google. So those are obviously, and, and LinkedIn, those are like the four most expensive ones. And that's where people usually turn to because that's what is commercialized. Yeah. So um, again, in the work that we do where it's a little bit more holistic and spiritual and alternative, even those methods, as we mentioned earlier, may not necessarily be an option because we are not necessarily mainstream. We may maybe talk about controversial topics and we may be banned. Uh-huh. So finding different <laughs> channels just to begin with, finding different channels to be, be exposed to different audiences and definitely different influencers that have a, a certain reputation that is definitely a lot a lot more worth it, you know, looking into that than, than, than spending the money, hard-earned money on, on all these digital ads. So that's mm-hmm. number one. Number two, because of the pandemic and thanks to the pandemic, I guess, you know, there are some good things. Sure. Digital PR has become a lot more, uh, you know, viable for a lot more businesses because, um, first of all, by now, a lot of businesses already have a website. You know, they have mm-hmm. uh, some sort of email set up or they're, they know that they will need to get that if, if they're you know, starting a business, for example. So it's, it's a lot more uh, doable for them to pull people into their ecosystem digitally right mm-hmm. so you know compared to for example uh you know a physical location type of store uh, yeah you know the pandemic affected them but a lot of them actually went online as well so good for mm-hmm. them um so so the advantages of the digital space is that it's really everywhere anywhere and it's so uh you know i wouldn't say easy but it's possible to find mm-hmm. the audiences that are really going to match with your target audience or your ideal client or avatar which is mm-hmm. one of the things i teach people how to define because that's really where it all starts you don't want to be talking you know uh, hard hats and work boots to some spiritual people who are you know tree huggers for example and vice versa like uh, home depot knows who they're after right yeah. so we need to know <laughs> who we are best at helping so so that's number one is really understanding the, the basics of the business and, and understanding it in a digital space, right? Mm-hmm. So where do people that you want to help hang out? Which mm-hmm. platforms are they on? You know, do they read or do they watch or do they listen, right? And sometimes it's good to address them all because, for example, like my magazine is for people who like to read, right? Mm-hmm. But it cross links with my episode. So if they want to watch the person, the author speak, and have an interview with me, then they get an opportunity as well to actually see what the person is like, which for me is very important, but for some people may not be. So it's it's a variety of methods that digital PR offers. 
and the ease with which you can really do a lot of collaborations and find things and, you know, all the search engines that are available and connections. I think networking events are also a way of digital PR, just being at networking events and talking about what you do. And they do allow a lot of those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Like in the last, what, last week, during two days, I was in front of hundreds of people in my space, like, you know, how, how do you do that with, uh, you know, Facebook marketing, for example, for you mm-hmm. to get two, three leads, you have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really knowing how to find the right stage. I call it digital stage mm-hmm. for you. And there are different kinds of stages, like there are events, for example, there are summits, which are very popular these days, there are giveaways. So mm-hmm. if you have like, for example, an ebook to give away, and then, you know, somebody with a big mailing list, email list, sends your book to their audience, hey, you got exposure to thousands of people that don't know you. And if they like the book, they will read the book. And maybe in that book, you invite them to come to your website and then you invite them to work with you. You know, little by little, you pull people in, people who are already interested in what you do because they wouldn't have downloaded that ebook if they weren't interested to begin with. Right. Right. So I find it's just so much more natural. Like if you really understand how it works, it becomes so natural for you to find the right people instead of doing direct DMs, instead of doing all this way of reaching out or the outreach, they call it, Mm -hmm. you use attraction marketing instead. And that's where that law of attraction comes in as well. You attract, you, first of all, you you understand who you are. Then Mm -hmm. you put the message out there to, you know, be clear about who you are, who you help and invite people to work with you. And boom, then you just wait, you know, sometimes a day, sometimes a month, but people will come to you. You start attracting people instead of you chasing people. Ooh, well, well, that sounds wonderful. Mm. (laughs) I, uh, I joke that I call myself the professional ghost chaser. So, you know, because that's a lot of like, you know, just uh, finding people, booking people and in the nature of today's world, people are just, you know, they're busy and they're, so they'll be really excited and then they might just completely forget, you know, even to follow up. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. any kind of business, but uh, yeah, so, so I always joke about that, but I could just attract them. They, they can just come to me. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll work yeah, on that come, one. <laughs> come be on my show and then my listeners will hear about you and they'll want to come to be on your show. And then all you have to do is just appear on my show and wait. And I'll just wait. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> be like, I'm that. looking for guests that are one, two, three. And then they, you know, people listen to it and go, oh yeah, I'm, I'm two. I'm two. I'm going to, I'm going to get in touch with her, but you have to let them know how. Yes. Let that, right. That's a key. I, and I guess that's a, it's such a great point because I think, you know, we, you used to hear about people talking about, uh, you know, how, how to make themselves happy, right? And most people, if you ask them, like, what do they want? They have no idea. Yeah. So that that really is kind of where it starts. It starts with knowing, you know, what is it that you're looking for? How, telling people, how do they find you? Mm-hmm. What is it that you're offering? And I think that getting clarity on a lot of those things is seems so simple, but a lot of people really don't know, especially when they start their Yeah. And the other thing that you touched on that I just want to drive home, I thought was so uh, powerful when you're talking about being in, you know, kind of more alternative spaces or more holistic type healing modalities and metaphysical type discussions and uh, the the censorship that's around that, uh, which but then again, it's knowing your audience. So maybe those more mainstream platforms aren't right for you. And maybe you'll actually have more success on something that is you know, maybe it's less commercialized, but it might be more targeted. And I, I think that that's a really good uh, point for people to consider. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, being, uh, being able to niche down is definitely a strength. A lot of people are scared of doing that. Like some of the calls I had, some of the coaches I've helped, they had too many offers and they were too widespread. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, I do this. And then for half an hour, they'd be talking about what they do. I'm like, stop. I already forgot the first thing you said, like, come on, have one main offer, maybe one upsell, one downsell to start with. Then when you're working with people, yeah, of course, you know, when they have different needs, you can offer them something else, but don't lead with, I do a, and I also sometimes do B and, you know, on a good, like, come on, you know, get your elevator speech ready, be ready to speak in 30 seconds. Like in one of the events I was, they actually timed you. You only have 30 seconds. 
Yeah. And in that 30 seconds, you have to tell people how to find you, why you do what you do, you know, what would be the advantage for them to work with you? Like you really have to practice this, yeah. this, you know, speech and make it also different because if it's an event in, for example, a certain industry, like for example, this one was sort of in a coaching space and then a PR space, a space, you know, if everybody says, oh, I'm a PR coach or I'm a speaker or I'm a, mm. it all sounds the same. Right. So one of the um, analogies I like to give is like you're in a warehouse full of brown boxes. Mm -hmm. What's going to make you choose one box over the other box? You have to stand out. So you have to find something about what you do that's unique. That's why niching down is good. If you only if you're most successful working with a certain type of a person or a certain type of a business then put it out there, like I work with coaches and I like to work with coaches who are borderline alternative or completely alternative yeah. like that's the space I like metaphysical you know like yeah yeah I work with you know some business coaches and marketing coaches but I like I enjoy helping people who are you know different who have a cool skill like NLP coaches or you know healers and things like that like unique that I can learn something from that I've mm-hmm. never heard something about that you know like they teach mm-hmm. me as I teach them. So it's just such a good synergy. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do. But you know, there are a lot of people that, that maybe do the same thing as I do for regular brick and mortar stores, or maybe mm-hmm. for book publishers or whatever. So right. for each their own. Yeah, for sure. But it starts with knowing your strengths and, and your passion. I, I, that's the thing that I, I keep hearing, you know, you're really talking about people finding their passion and letting that, you know, honing that, you know, working with their strengths to guide their passions and yeah. Uh, and outsource the rest and you'll surf the rest <laughs> outsource the rest. Because if we, you know, Joe, um, John Demartini keeps saying that mm. if we keep ourselves bogged down with mundane tasks every day, we get demotivated to do what we're yeah. passionate about. So get a VA, get a coach, get PR concierge service like ours to get you those appearances booked so you don't have to worry about it. So all you got to do is do what you love and the rest can be outsourced. Then you're working in your business, you're making money and you're not spinning your wheels for nothing. Right. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that for a lot of entrepreneurs, that's a really difficult uh thing to adjudicate like when is the right time to outsource because you don't want to outsource you know too early and uh, you know basically overextend yourself to where you implode uh but you also don't want to be one of those that uh doesn't know how to delegate anything and then you're you know burnt out and you're micromanaging everything and you have no time to do what you're your focus is and what your strength lie, where your strengths lie. Yeah. Thanks for asking that. That is actually a loaded question because as soon as you start outsourcing, you really become a company because mm-hmm. you do need to manage those people. So if you have mm-hmm. no management experience, people, you know, like no team leading or management experience, maybe previously in your nine to five, it will be a little bit of a challenge or maybe, mm-hmm. maybe if you're a successful parent, you may have those skills naturally. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> But, you know, it doesn't come naturally to people to take a leadership role. And when it when it is your business, when you're running your business, even if a sole proprietor outsourcing some tasks, mm-hmm. you do need to have those leadership abilities. You need to know, uh, you know, to ask for people to meet the deadlines, to be mm-hmm. within the budget, da, 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 maybe train them. So you need to have that in place first or that mindset. You need to have that mindset ready because nobody's going to read your mind. You need to give clear instructions. Isn't that part of expectation, the telepathy? We haven't gotten there. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> well, it, it, the law of attraction oh, that's will the bring. Link. Okay, yeah, it will bring it. the right people to you. Like for example, uh, it was uh, I don't know um, a few months ago. I met uh, somebody who was a video editor for my episodes, and um, she got attracted to my work, like the content. Mm-hmm. So we were speaking on the same level. When she was editing the episodes, she's like, "Julie, I'm learning so much." You know, every episode is like related to me. I can see how in my life I can make changes. Like she was like, you know, she's like, thank you. Just for mm-hmm. editing the episodes, she was. <laughs> so that was law of attraction, right? But I right. still had to train her how to do it, you know, on a on a practical level, right? Like sure. what tool to use, da-da-da. And we had to go a few rounds so it wasn't perfect. So you also need to be patient. You need to be understanding that people will need some training. They need to be able to get up to speed. And you need to know where to let them go, when to let them go. I've had a few, I had to let them go. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they were, they were hardworking, but they were in, in a completely different um, uh, 
I don't know, like, they, they, they just, just the visuals, like what I would say, for example, create this and I would describe it with words. What the output of that was, was completely not what I visualized. Like, mm. and a few times, you know, I gave them examples, I gave them samples, I gave them vision boards of, you know, mm-hmm. mood boards, you call it for branding. Yeah. And still the output was very, you know, square cut and simple. I'm like, no, I'm more creative than that, even though I don't necessarily have you know, all the skills to do with like Photoshop and things, but mm-hmm. I have something in mind. And if the person doesn't meet your expectations, you know, you need to let them go. Right. And you need to be able to put those things into a contract when you're starting, because you don't want to start paying people that are not going to meet your expectations. So that is definitely lesson number one that I would recommend if anybody's starting to outsource have some sort of an agreement in place, some sort of guarantee, some sort of money back or redo the work kind of clause. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, they, they sit on their bum for a week and they don't do anything. And, the, and at the end of the week, they expect to get paid. It's very, very common. Right. <laughs> so that would be consideration. That, that's not a win-win one. for anyone. <laughs> but, exactly. Yeah. Consideration number two, I would say you need to first do those things yourself. So you cannot ask a person to complete a task if you don't really know how to do it. If this is such a them. great point, right? Because how can you know what, how can you fix the problems? I, I think being a, a CEO, a producer, you know, a manager, it involves being able to spot, you know, the, the details of what's not working and you need to be able to guide that person into how to fix it. And if you haven't done it yourself where you have no, no knowledge of how it works, how can you expect to oversee it? And I think yeah. this is something a lot of people don't understand. So yeah, yeah sorry to interrupt, but please, yeah. No, no, totally. That that definitely definitely gives it uh, more and more details. And so so if you kind of consider that, you cannot necessarily start outsourcing everything day one. So you kind of mm-hmm. have to experience every task that's involved in your business and then decide which one is worth outsourcing. Mm-hmm. So it's not every single thing. So, okay, you don't have to be, you know, a master in accounting to hire an accountant, right? But you need to know how to, you know, document your expenses and you need to know how to total them up and categorize them. Like that's basics. If you don't know how to do that, if you just expect to give somebody a shoebox of receipts, then you can never check or troubleshoot their work. As you mentioned, you know, they can end up giving something to the government that is actually maybe considered fraud. Right. (laughs) Because you've given them those receipts, but those receipts were actually completely personal use. So there is a fine line between being an expert in something and just knowing enough to be able to outsource because you see, yes, you do have to be like a team lead over over the people that you outsource it to. So you do need to have a certain amount of knowledge in the field. Yeah. I, I think that that is such an important point. And in uh, that balance is difficult because I think, you know, the personalities come into play too. They're the people who they want to know everything and then they can't let go, right? Well, but they learned how to do this, this, and this. And you know, how can I expect to trust somebody else to, you know, do as good a job or better, right? And yeah. then there's the other people who only want to focus on what they want to focus on and they want to outsource everything, but they have no idea how anything really works. And so they either uh, can't help with troubleshooting or they can't manage expectations. And I think that that it it is really a fine line. And I think that that's a, it's a a tricky one for people. Yeah. And you know what, they will end up overpaying. Right. If if you don't know, for example, I just talked to someone, um, she is paying somebody to do her online summit. She's like, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, okay, well, there is this platform. You can just upload your videos. She's like, what? I just paid an agency $1,200 to set it up for me. Wow. I'm like, why didn't you talk to me first? Right. (laughs) Right? So there are people that are just so scared of an unknown that they would rather hire people and pay the money to take, you know, take care of that unknown. Right. And they will overpay because really, it's a really easy thing, you know, could be free, could be, you know, you, you, could, you could still get some help, mm-hmm. but you still need to know what you're putting on that site. You still need to get your speakers. You still need to do a lot of the legwork. The agency is just going to do the, you know, the digital stuff, the digital mm-hmm. setup. You still need to do the content. Yeah. And even with, for example, social media managers, which I found 
And a lot of my coaches found it a waste of money. And again, I'm not saying all of them are, are bad, probably at some point. And then when there is good synergy, it may be a worthy investment. But a lot of my coaches actually have attempted working with social media managers, and then they went back to doing it themselves. Talk a Reason little bit being, about that, please, because, yeah, I yeah. think that that is. And I think with, as you had mentioned before, with like algorithms changing, it's I, I know for me personally, I kind of hate doing all the social media. It takes so much time. Like and I, I also don't like that, especially with the algorithm, it's taken a lot of the social out of the social media, you know, and yeah. that's the part that I liked. It was connecting with people. And now, you know, with the, all the shadow banning and the algorithms and the censorship, it gets really difficult. And so you get frustrated and you want to outsource that. But how is somebody else going to be the social conduit for you? Right. Yeah. Happen, right. So, the, And that's what social media is supposed to be. I know people are using it as an advertising platform, but there still is the social media component, uh, you know, exactly. hence the word social. So it's hard to have somebody else be the proxy for your socialization. Well, exactly, exactly. And, <laughs> and a lot of it is a personal brand, right? A lot yeah. of us are running, you know, sole proprietorships or small businesses, and we are really a face of our brand. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, if we have a couple of products or services, we usually are the face behind the brand. And I think a lot of people know that now that it, it's much harder to have a faceless brand because people buy from people, not from companies. So a lot of us kind of had to come out of the box, me including, um, from being behind the scenes to really being on camera because like yeah. before I, I never thought it was necessary. But then when people started telling me, well, we know, well, we want to know who you are and what you're like. And I noticed that my own buying patterns were you know, attached to people than rather than their services or their marketing or their color brand or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. Sure. So social media marketers or social media managers rather. Yeah. Again, they need a lot of direction. So they need con they actually need content. And who's going to give them content? You. So that's like the main part of your work anyway. Right. Then they would need visuals and creatives. Okay. You could potentially give them some guidelines. Like I've even given people templates and things like that. But the result is not my voice. It's like having somebody shop for me in the store for me to like have a dress for, for a date that's coming up. Like I wouldn't trust somebody to pick out clothes for me, mm -hmm. right? Or to, to put my make, do my makeup. Like, yes, yeah, sometimes like once in a blue moon, you know, just to do something different. But often I've been disappointed when somebody does my makeup because I know me, I know what works for me. I know, you yeah. know, my face and little subtleties. And, you know, somebody else may not. And, or I, I will look at myself after that makeup and I go, that's not me. That's not me. And that's exactly what I found was happening. Yes, the messaging was getting out. Yes, maybe the work was done. Maybe the content mm. was getting out, but it was not me. This is not how I would do it. This is not how I would say it. And if I were to give them everything I would do and everything I'd say, then mm. what's the point? Then there's really no need. Doing all that work anyway. <laughs> yeah. So maybe to have somebody, you know, like if somebody comments on your posts, having somebody, you know, say, yeah, thank you. You know, like mm -hmm. a little bit of engagement. I can see some value there. You know, maybe if you create content for one platform and they literally just cross post it for the, uh, for the rest mm -hmm. of the platforms. I maybe, think there's you know, value in that. And then there's yeah. a lot of uh, digital uh, uh, platforms that do that. They, mm -hmm. they'll automate kind of like you upload to one and it'll upload to others. I can see that. Then it's still you and your content and, exactly, and then you exactly. just go back and engage. It's not, you don't have to physically upload to each platform that, and that does take time. So I can see that. Yeah. And because it is such a creative space, I think there's so much room for, you know, <clears throat> what do you call it? Subject subjectivity, because it's not mm -hmm. objective. It's like, okay, you've posted my content on this day. You've engaged it so many times. No, there is, it's like you go into an art gallery and everybody's going to like a different painting. You know, it's just, there's so much art that goes into all of these things. Even if it's just a video, like there are so many real formats and there's so many ways yeah. people do reels and it really, really shows you their voice. Like there's this one business coach, well, actually career coach that I work with and I loved my interview with her, but then her reels are silly and I don't get it. And it doesn't go with her you know, overall brand and, and her seriousness of, you know, working with executives. And I'm like, I don't know, it's such a dissonance for me to, to watch her reels. I don't like scroll through them because it just makes me kind of like yucky, you know? <laughs> How and interesting. The, yeah. And there's another one that would always use like th this filter with hearts above her head. And she'd sometimes talk about things like grief. And I'd be like, that's just so out of place. Like, I don't I just don't get it. You know what I mean? And it's also what we do. Like we, we do 
auditing of people's um, online visibility, because sometimes mm. you may think you're doing great. You may think, you know, you're putting content out, but you may not see some of these silly things or little mistakes that are really harmful to your brand that are really, you know, skewing your message where you want to come up with a serious, for example, um, uh, not necessarily brand reputation, but you know what I mean? Like if you have a serious tone to what you do, if, if you're, for example, you know, a business coach, you don't necessarily want to do silly dances or vice versa. If you're, you know, some kind of uh, an entertainer, then you don't want to be talking about, you know, maybe digital music creation, you know, ins and outs, then you may want to do more entertaining stuff. So sometimes having somebody read the label outside your bottle, and I'm taking that as a quote from one of the coaches that I interviewed, you need another person to read that that label because you cannot, you cannot. Right, because you're too close to it. Yeah, that, you're that's inside really the bottle. What? You're inside the bottle. Right. The, the label's you outside. You can't see outside. You can't see it. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is really interesting. I, I don't think I've really thought thought so much about that, like how it's being read to other people. Um, you know, that's a. I, I think there's so many other factors right now in the social media world that we forget about the actual branding component of it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and the same comes with public relations, with being mm-hmm. on digital media. Mm-hmm. For example, um, even writing, something as simple as writing an article for a magazine in the yeah. tone. And the spelling errors or the punctuation errors, like how mm-hmm. much they can harm your reputation. Sure. So one of the things that I also offer people is a little, like little small group mm-hmm. coaching uh, network where you get other people, peers to give you honest feedback on how you talk, how you write, how you do your mm-hmm. elevator pitch, even how you look on camera. Wow. Because sometimes it's hard to take from a coach, but it may be easier to take from somebody going through the same process, learning the ropes. So when you get that honest feedback from your peers, mm-hmm. it's kind of like Toastmasters, right? You just, mm-hmm. right, it's right. a slap in the face, but that's what what's going to make you better, right? Because a lot of people look back at their appearances six months ago, a year ago, and they go, wow, that was embarrassing. Right? <laughs> right, you got to right. start somewhere, but you ideally want to know the basics so that you are at least not embarrassing yourself. And you, obviously you want to make a good impression ideally. One would hope. One would hope. Absolutely. Wow. Well, I, I think we might be coming up. Uh, I, I don't know how much more time you have. Henny, you're saying you have a, a call after this. So yeah, we yeah. can do five minutes. Max. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um, let me think what else I want to ask you about. What if you had to give people like, I don't know, what, what are the maybe a top three things that they should do? And then the, you know, three things not to do in the, uh, when they're promoting their brand. Okay. So let me start with number one. <laughs> which is for people who are not comfortable to be on camera yeah. or on podcasts. Okay. It's not about you. Mm-hmm. Okay. You have a message to help the world. Mm-hmm. That message needs to get out. Right. Okay. So get it out. It's not about you. It's not about what you look like. It's not about how you talk, although we do help you improve that. But take the focus off yourself. Yeah. Put the, the focus on the people you're helping and your message. For example, yes. I interview people on my show. And at first I was like, oh, what do I look like? Da, da, da. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? It's not important. What's important is my guest. Right. And I want to get my guest to shine. I'm spotlighting someone. And, and a lot of us are spotlighting someone or a service or a product. Mm-hmm. So be about that, unless maybe you're a model or, you know, an actress, then. Yeah, well, okay, actually, yeah. I was really just thinking as you were saying this, I was thinking about I, I was an actress. So, you know, one of the key things about, uh, you know, uh, an authentic performance is to these moment to moment work and how you get there is by putting the emphasis on the scene partner and on the situation. So uh-huh. you put it on the intention as opposed to on you know, on me, how do I look? Mm. How do I sound? Is this, you know, what, is this a good delivery? Because then it's always going to be very shallow. And in life, we don't actually do that. Not to say that we don't have insecurities or vanities, but in life, we have an intention. We don't speak, uh, you know, at least hopefully most of us don't, we don't just say something for the sake of saying it. We say something because uh, there, there's a goal there. 
You know, if I, if I'm, I want to communicate something, I want to convey something. So if you put the intention there, your, uh, the integrity of your performance grows exponentially and you become a lot less nervous because it becomes actionable as opposed to a passive, like, oh, I hope that, you know, you're not in your head. Like, I hope this goes well. You're like, no, I have to do something here. And I think that is part of, I, I think that's part of a lot of people's challenge just in life on a kind of macro scale is that we, we want to have purpose. And when we don't have purpose, that's often when we're filled with anxiety, despair, depression, you know, the other kind of uh, uh, psychosomatic and uh, mental health complications that arise. And it is out of feeling purposelessness. So, yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Well, we, we talked about values earlier, so that would definitely be in the list of tips. Yeah. But one I wanted to highlight is to simplify. Ah, yes. Simplify everything. Simplify your offer. Uh-huh. Simplify how much you do, how many different things you do. This Try to. I need help with. It's <laughs> <laughs> not my strong. We side. all we all do. Trust me. Like, <laughs> well, it's good to have a variety of things we know how to do and be mm-hmm. able to be helpful in many ways. But lead with one. Right. Okay? Lead with simplicity. Mm-hmm. Know your avatar. Know your ideal client. Know their main pain point and know their main solution to their pain mm-hmm. point. And that is mm-hmm. your offer. Right. So lead with that. Okay. Then automate and scale would be number two. And Mm. and that comes with simplification. You cannot automate something that's complex. Mm, You cannot do rinse and repeat if it's complex. Okay. So you start with something simple, then you can rinse and repeat. Okay. And without automation, digital PR comes in probably, I would say one of the top methods in, in automating and simplifying things. As I explained earlier, you do something once you plant Mm. seed, you know, you plant one tomato seed, then you have a tomato. How many seeds does tomato have? Okay. Let me give you an example. Somebody I work with, he had an appearance. He had a podcast with somebody who was like a relatively small, you know, small, small following or a small number of downloads. Mm -hmm. That lady loved the interview so much she recommended Mm -hmm. him to her boss and her boss had a bigger following okay so this coach came onto that other podcast and he generated six figures just within a few months and continues getting clients just from that one podcast amazing so that was one seed Okay. Yeah. Imagine if you're doing one appearance a week, which that's Mm. our promise. You, you get onto a show or digital platform once a week. Imagine in 52 weeks a year, Mm. how many seeds you're going to plant. Right. And how Mm. long does it normally take for a business, you know, to get off, off the ground and, you know, Mm. to get started and whatever, you don't have to have everything in place. You can get started today. Start planting seeds today. These are digital evergreen assets. It's like putting a commercial out there and it's going to be running every day and Mm -hmm. more and more and more because the more downloads the podcast gets, the more people want to see it. Then they share it and they share it, right? So you see the the multiplying effect of this marketing strategy, Mm -hmm. right? And it is attraction marketing because you are attracting people who already like you, who already Mm -hmm. want to work with you. They come to you. Like you just bypassed so many different stages of fighting for a client, competition, all of that stuff is not even an issue. And I believe in the space where we are working in the alternative holistic space, there's really no room for competition. We're all unique. We all have a talent. We all have something to offer. So let's embrace helping each other. So collaboration is another way of digital PR, networking events, you know, cross guesting, you put, you give an article to another person's blog and they give an article to your blog. You exchange content, you help each other generate content. You do lives together. You do expert panels together. There's so many things to do. Yeah. Just start, start somewhere. (laughs) Either let us help you or try on your own or do both, whatever Mm -hmm. it is that works for you. I would strongly recommend you start thinking about digital PR as a way to run your business, not just to promote your business. It's the way to run your business. Wow. Let me think about the tips of not what not to do. Yeah. And what not to do. (laughs) What not to do. Okay. Well, well, we talked about it and do not outsource too soon. Yeah. Okay. So try to do everything, maybe a couple of rounds, three rounds, ideally. So you know what can happen. You're going to learn the ropes. Um, Also figuring out the right systems for things. Like for example, which mailer you're going to use, you know, you can't just 
hire a person to start sending your emails. You kind of want to know what it's all like, kind of like go through the process. Mm -hmm. So that would be definitely something to just try everything out first and kind of like, you know, put your, like make your feet wet in, in whatever you're doing in order for you to know the ins and outs. That's number one. What else not to do? What else not to do? Don't concentrate on your, um, you know, failures, I guess, or faults, right? Because okay. there is this, one of my favorite quotes is the faster you fail, the faster you succeed. Mm-hmm. Right. Because every okay. failure is a lesson and then you get to success so much faster. So okay. just keep moving. And, you know, I like, uh, to- I'm sorry, Winston Churchill said, uh, uh, the definition of uh, success is going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So that, I guess that would be, um, probably the main thing that I'd like to share. I've got to go in a minute. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, thank you so much, everybody. Um, I can be found yeah. on digitalpr.works. Somebody said, Oh, is there a .com? I said, no, .works is actually an extension. It's so cool. Like, Oh, another tip I wanted to share, get yeah. a simple to remember domain. If you're doing yeah. PR appearances, please register something super short. Don't okay. spell your name to people. They won't remember. <laughs> I guess so that's a don't. <laughs> that's a don't. Okay. Yeah. I Mine is my name, but I have a unique spelling. So I'm always telling exactly. people CourtneyTurner.com. But because I have a unique spelling, I was able to get my name. So and that's it. Plus so or minus. Yeah. have that. It's good to have a domain with your name, maybe yeah. for people who are already in your network. Yeah. But if it's something that you're spelling out to people on air. Right. Sure you know, or just in passing or in a networking event, you have 30 seconds to introduce yourself, have something quick and catchy, something they can remember you by. All right. Well, thank you so much. And yeah, so, so again, where do they find you? Digitalpr.works. Digitalpr.works. Thank you so much for being here and sharing all this valuable information with us. Thank you so much for having me, Courtney. This was a pleasure. Likewise. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.